1: plus
0: brand new for the 2022 season Hail it's the rvk we're coming at you two ways on two days Hail it's monday Hail and thursday jeremy Virginia. j and fiend phoenix and me Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitts. I am here with uh, Brendan Druszynski of 580 Sports Talk over in Topeka. Yes, a little bit a little bit different than I normally introduce, but hey, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks. Wanted to make sure that we got in here to talk about all this. Normally, this time, because we'd be doing our previews, I would be talking about an Illinois preview and looking at that. Unfortunately, I've been having trouble finding an Illinois guest. So instead, want to make sure we still had a podcast for you guys. Uh, Have Brendan here. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things because, hey, guess what? There's a lot of excitement around these Kansas programs, both the basketball program as they try to fill their last slot to basketball alum, to Kansas football, to all kinds of stuff. So let's go ahead and start with, I think, the biggest news um, that isn't actually uh, technically Jayhawk related, but it does involve a very um, well-known and very uh, well-thought-about KU alum and that would be Christian Brown and the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA title and it's not like you know Christian Brown was the guy coming off the bench that did like basically nothing like he he had a decent amount of highlights there's obviously all of the uh, the videos going around about his celebrations and all that fun stuff but uh, but uh, what were your thoughts about the way that Christian Brown has played this year and how does that reflect I think on this Kansas program so my co-host over on 580 Sports Talk, Dan Lucero, from Denver, huge
1: Nuggets fan. And he was telling me when the season started, because I said, dang, man, I I mean, he knows Christian Brown. Obviously, we talk about KU Hoops all the time. And he, I was saying, dude, I, I think you guys got a winner. Like, I love that spot for CB late first round. I think he's going to find a way in the rotation. And he said, hey, I, I love the player, obviously, but Mike Malone doesn't like to play rookies very much. Like, it, it almost has become a meme among Nuggets fans. Like, they do not like to play their rookies. And then Christian Brown played in a majority of the games all season. And there were moments during the regular season that popped up on Twitter. And I know Nuggets Twitter was all over it. And KU fans ate it up where he thought, dang it, he looks like an NBA player. You guys who maybe weren't so excited about this pick last June when it happened, like, this is the guy you're getting. Defensive intensity. He's going to finish around the rim well. Shot's not quite there at the NBA level yet, but it'll get there. He's confident as hell. He's tough. And we got to see that throughout the playoffs. He didn't do a whole lot in the Western Conference Finals because it wasn't a very good matchup with the size of the Lakers. But, like, he's a winner. And I know that phrase is overused a ton, but we actually talked about this on the show. Like, people said that about Tim Tebow, but that, it wasn't the same kind of thing. Like, Christian Brown comes from a winning high school program. Ed Fritz's Blue Valley Northwest, like, everyone who's been through that program while he was there knew what winning was like, knew what it took to be, a winning player that, hey, you might not get the role you want, but you're going to find a way to help your team. Christian Brown did just that. KU, look at his three years. One, a championship. Two, disappointing second-round exit. And the other year, his freshman year, when he suddenly, a few games into the season, we thought, dang, maybe this dude needs to play a whole lot more. Maybe this guy needs to be in the starting lineup. That was the best team in the country that year. And every year, if you remember, he was doing something different. And his game totally evolved over the course of those three years from – you know, bench sharpshooter or fifth starter. And I remember his coming out game. It was the, like his true breakout game. People don't remember it very well because it was also the Silvio DeSosa stool game against Kansas State. It was the brawl at Allen Fieldhouse. He had 20 yeah. points in that game. He was awesome. Self even called him out in the post game. And he was like the the sharpshooter reserve. Then his role changed a little bit as a sophomore. And then by his junior year, I mean, he was a team leader, vocal leader much more of a slasher at that point his defense had really picked up he's bigger than people give him credit for he's also jacked more than people give him credit for i'm not surprised that he played a major role for a championship winning team and uh, i think denver fans are going to love having him around whether they win more championships in the next few years in his rookie deal or not uh he is the epitome of the kind of guy you want on your team he's hungry he's tough great personality and once the shot comes around man he's going to be an awesome nba player like he's going to be starter for 10 years six man of the year something like that i really do believe that and i'm not surprised he played a major role for this team and it was really cool to get to see kid from burlington and then overland park get to make that kind of impact at the nba
0: level yeah it's really awesome you know for for local people here in the kansas city area to be able to to point to someone like that but i think to your point like you know, he's already come through a college coach, right, that is known for not playing freshmen. Like Bill Self does not play freshman unless you force him to play you. And Christian Brown did that in some pretty big moments in his, you know, I I mean I, I remember the Kansas State game where he just, you know, was a barrage of, of three pointers all over the place to to make people think that hey, hey, he needs to be playing a lot more. And so, you know, I, I think it's one of those it's one of those things though, it, it talks to me a more and part of the reason that I'm not necessarily as you know, in tune with the NBA is because there is so much of you have to get to the right situation. I mean, I look, I look at a guy like Frank Mason, who probably is just as good of a player as Christian Brown, but he went to the Sacramento Kings and, you know, while he played a decent amount and played decently well, he was not in a situation that was set up for him to have success. Oh, look at Ochayabaji. Like he is probably just as good as Christian Brown. Uh, You know, we, we saw that in college. The problem is the role that he is in, it does not allow for him to be able to play at quite the high level. And of course he doesn't have the rest of the team around him. So, you know, it's, it's a combination of, do you have enough of a team around you that can utilize your skill set in such a way that's going to allow you to play really well and the team to have a lot of success. And, and look, I'm not begrudging to Christian Brown, but like, you know, I'm looking at a guy like Joel Embiid, like they haven't won a championship yet. And it's not been Embiid's fault. It's been just the fact that they can't get over the hump in certain areas. So, um, Christian Brown, I think, is set up with Jokic, uh, you know, to have a lot of success, especially here in the next few years. So, But it's great to have another Jayhawk, um, you know, get another championship. And, and like you said, like, not every single Jayhawk coming out of school is going to hit in the NBA. But to have one like that, do it in such a high-profile way, and to be, you know, now one of five players to win an NCAA championship and then an NBA championship in back-to-back seasons – that can't do anything but look good for the Kansas program and look good for what Bill Self is doing. So, you know, you talk about the the year that that Bill Self and his program have had and, and you know, Kansas had. Sure, the early exit out of the NCAA tournament because of, you know, health issues for Bill Self and, and kind of the all the other stuff swirling around is, is unfortunate, but you look at how hard he's hit recruiting, coming back and being able to redo, refresh everything, um, you know, and then – all of this stuff that's kind of happening around it. I, I have a hard time imagining that you can, you know, short of winning another national championship, imagine a much better calendar year for the Jayhawks.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just cool. Like, it, I know that's not exactly the the analysis you come to this show for, but it, it's just cool to see that guy make that kind of an impact. And just want to note, because everyone's heard this stat at this point, but I feel like it's worth bringing up again. Christian Brown has played in his last seven years of organized competitive basketball, five championships at the highest level. He won three straight 6A titles at Blue Valley Northwest. Then, again, best team in the country, but no title in 20, no title in 21, national champion in 22, NBA champion in 23. Like, that's – I know he wasn't always the number one option on those teams, but KU doesn't win that national championship in 22 without oh, him. definitely not. He made, he made major plays for this Denver Nuggets team, even though – Obviously, he was not one of the top options for them either. They have the best player in the world in the post on that team, but you understand where I'm coming from. And, uh, yeah, those high school teams, those teams at Blue Valley Northwest, yeah, he was a pretty damn good player for those teams too. So it's just awesome for him, and it's cool that KU has celebrated it and then it's not well he left so it's not you know part of the family anymore KU socials have been all over it it was so cool to see Bill Self there as well he and KT Curtis Townsend made the trip out to Denver I I was kind of amazed I was at the gym in Lawrence I was at Rock Chalk Park working out on uh, on Tuesday this week and as I'm walking out some of the Bill Self campers were there I'm walking out Curtis Townsend's walking in and I thought damn man you've been all over you go to Denver for one night hang out with Christian Brown I'm sure they partied a little bit not gonna accuse anyone of anything but I'm sure there was at least a little celebration going on then you hightail it back to Lawrence for basketball camp the next day that's a pretty busy schedule I'm sure Bill was on the same one but just it's cool to have something else to celebrate and it's cool to have one of your own be that guy to celebrate in a situation that is pretty rare you know you mentioned the just fifth player ever to go back to back NCAA NBA champion and I mean it's just It's just very enjoyable. It it added a little extra intrigue to this NBA Finals,
0: which, if you watched any of it, there was not a whole lot of intrigue after Game 2 went. No, there really wasn't. So, you know, I will take issue with one thing that you said. That's absolutely the kind of analysis people come to this show for is, that was cool. Like, I I can't imagine how many, or I can't count the number of times that that's been our analysis for something. So, um, but, you know, especially since... One of the coolest things that I know of is the sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. And dare I say it, they have the coolest logos I have seen anywhere. I love all the stuff they have for Kansas, love all the stuff they have for a lot of different schools. Um, there's even, you know, I, I, I know it's kind of heresy to say, but there's even some Kansas State stuff that it looks really cool. Don't know that I ever buy it, but it looks really cool still. So if you go over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOC12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. Um, they have a ton of stuff. You're going to find things from not only from Kansas, but from a bunch of other schools. They're still adding new schools as well. They, you know, they have like North Texas that just got added recently. Um, you know, they have more coming and they're doing refreshes of a lot of the different lines they have. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOC12. Get 15% off your entire first quarter. All right, let's go ahead and jump over to, uh, you know, Kansas football. There's a bunch of stuff that's been happening. I, I definitely want to talk about recruiting here. But first, you know, Kansas is getting some recognition this year that I don't think that they've gotten. And we talked about this a little bit during the countdown. Um, you know, Kyle had his article talking about the, the win total, that that's up to 6.5 as opposed to 2.5 last year. And that's a gigantic jump. Um, you have... Kansas players getting recognized all over the place um, at, in preseason Big 12 teams. You know, Athlon Sports had Devin Neal and uh, – uh, sorry, had, had Devin Neal, Jalen Daniels, and Mike Nowitzki on their first team. Um, Phil Steele has, you know, Devin Neal. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I also forgot Kobe Bryant who was also on the first team. Uh, but then they have uh, – Phil Steele has Devin Neal, Kobe Bryant, and Kenny Logan on the first team, and Daniels, Nowitzki, and uh, uh, Dominic Puni on the second team. So like lots of really good recognition for players that I, you know, I don't think coming into last year, like, I don't know that those players are significantly better this year going in than they were last year. They just have more success from the prior season that are allowing people to recognize how good a lot of these players are.
1: I think there is definitely, I would, I would agree that I think that is the largest element of it, but I would argue too that, a lot of development has taken place over the last year. And I think last season we got to see some of these guys grow into their roles a little bit more. And having another year in this system really helps now, maybe not for everybody, you know, how, how badly did Devin Neal need another off season? And actually he was banged up for a lot of spring practice this year, according to a bunch of reports. So maybe he didn't have as much time during the spring, but I think continuity is always a big deal. There's a lot of numbers that back up that having continuity in college football, often not always but often leads to increasing positive trend trending upward results I guess I'll phrase it that way and bringing all these guys back for another year I mean offensively in particular it's going to be dang near the exact same offensive group as last yeah. year you take Earl Bostic out of the equation who had a great Kansas career but the rest of the offensive line has every starter back including a transfer from Wisconsin in uh in Brown who is a could have been starting in the big 10 could did start some games. If I remember correctly, while he was at Wisconsin before transferring out, I know he fell out of favor there, but I mean, he was good enough to end up with the best offensive line program in the country in Wisconsin. At least I would put them in that category over the course of the last several decades. You've got a quarterback back who was second team, all big 12, despite missing several games due to injury. I think Devin Neal has an argument, or at least will be in the discussion to be the best running back in the big 12 this coming season. I still like the wide receiver core, even though they haven't gotten nearly as much recognition, which feels a little bit like last year, in fact. I know Mason Fairchild was third team all Big Twelve preseason, according to Phil Steele, too. I mean, you bring back all of these guys who over the course of last season, you can point to all of them and say, Damn, he was really good. Or man, there was a moment that makes you believe that with another year he's going to be even better. Fairchild, quiet as it's kept had a very nice year and actually became more oh, yeah. of a vertical threat for this offense. Um and I know they're not going to get all Big 12 recognition, but you look at the other tight ends, specifically talking about Jared Casey, like we know at this point that he is always going to make the right play. He is always going to be in the right spot, and he is always going to make the right play. Devin Neal, to go back to him. We know he's good. We know he's one of the best prospects that KU has gotten a commitment from in recent memory, but go back to the game against Texas Tech. Go back to Oklahoma State. Go back to these games where he was putting up gaudy numbers, and you think, damn, there really is potential that this might be a Sunday guy. This might be one of the best players, one of the best offensive players certainly in the Big Twelve. We all know about Jalen Daniels and his unbelievable profile at this point. I I can understand it. And defensively, yes, I I have a lot of concerns about this team going into this year, but you can still point to a couple of different guys. Kenny Logan, who's been a long time standout for this defense. Kobe Bryant, who obviously had an incredible 2022 season and say, Hey, at least at the very top of the list, there are some really good players. I'm still a huge Craig Young fan, huge Rich Miller fan. So you've got these top tier guys that even if there's not the depth, and if you have questions about Brian Borland, so be it, but you've at least got that top end talent that KU hasn't had a lot of. I mean, if you even go back to, a few years ago, remember when Dorance Armstrong was the preseason Big Twelve Defense Player of the Year? And that was from the you know, oh, yeah. quote unquote official the the media rankings and all of that. That year, KU had some nice defensive players. I mean, that team had Joe Denine, who was awesome. That team had Daniel Wise, who had an awesome college career, obviously Dorrance Armstrong. But but that was it. Like, there wasn't a whole lot to write home about offensively. Oh, yeah. There sure certainly was nothing else defensively. The defensive
0: secondary was atrocious. Like, I, I like some of the right. players. The problem was that there wasn't a good system for them there, and, like, they weren't utilized well defensive secondary-wise, but also they were not as good as the secondary that we have. And I think that's the most encouraging thing for this Kansas team is you look, at, you look at where they're getting the recognition. They're getting the recognition in the secondary, which has routinely been a problem. And then they have a ton of new guys coming in in that front seven, with you know Craig Young and Rich Miller to kind of back them up at the, at the linebacker position, but you also look at the depth. Like, yeah, the depth isn't any like household names. It's not like Texas where you have you know you know three deep where guys could potentially be starting for other teams because you just can't pull that kind of talent at least not right now. Uh, Kansas though has guys that can play at the Big Twelve level in short spurts that you know can provide you the 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 I guess the rest that you need to get guys like Rich Miller. And Craig Young to be effective. And I mean, they have some really great transfers that came in. Like, you know, you look at the transfers, and obviously, like, there's a reason that they left their prior location, but, you know, you have mm-hmm. a, an Auburn edge that a lot of people were thinking was going to be a good Auburn player that got beat out by somebody else. So, like, he's here because he wants an opportunity, not because he doesn't have talent. And so I think Kansas has a lot of pieces to bring together, but that's what we've seen, right? A lot of the guys that did come. They came early enough that they were able to participate in spring. And so they were able to kind of build that rapport. And that's what we've seen from this Kansas team is that the longer that they are together, the longer that they're able to, you know, kind of build that, that rapport and build those relationships, the better they've been as a unit. That's why Kansas got better over the course of the season. Even as the, you know, even as the competition ramped up, you saw more impressive performances, even though the box score didn't show it. You saw, I thought, more more impressive performances against teams like Oklahoma and Baylor defensively because while they had a lot of points, like, those were very high-powered offenses that you were expecting to get a ton of points, and the fact that Kansas was able to go in the second half of those games and shut down, at least somewhat, those teams to be able to allow Kansas to get back in the game, I think was a much better sign than, you know, like, the shutting down Iowa State's defense, or offense, uh, with your defense, like, they had a lot of really good performances late in the year that I think they can build on that just aren't going to get the recognition because of stats. And, and unfortunately, you know, that's the one thing that it's hard to get away from is relying so much on the stats and looking at the actual situation. And I think that's what Kansas is doing fairly well. I, I agree that you can potentially have questions about Brian Borland, but I also, you know, have to caveat that with, he has not had the kind of talent level that a guy like Andy Kotelnicki has had. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, you know, I am fine with him. You know, there was a big stink when he got more money last year, like when his contract went up, but that was because the entire pool for all the assistants went up. So of course, Brian Borland's going to make more if everybody's making more. Um, You know, it's just, it's one of those things where this is a team that you can be concerned about on the defensive end, but they have plenty of pieces, even though they're not getting the recognition. Like you looked at um, the, the Phil Steele had a lot of fourth teamers that I thought had some pretty good recognition as well. Like, you know, there were 12 players that were selected by Phil Steele as, you know, first, second, third, and fourth team. It came from 12 different positions. Like, typically in the past, we've seen Kansas will have three really good wide receivers, two really good running backs, a good quarterback, like, you know, or or on the other end, they'll have two really good defensive linemen and, like, five really good corner. Like, you know, it'll all be concentrated into single positions. And in a team game like this, it's hard to win when you have one position that's really good, but everything else is kind of mediocre. There's guys that are getting recognition as, you know, I mean, I would even say fourth team, all big 12, like, you know, that's, that's meaning that you're one of the best, like, you you know, eight or like top 10 essentially, and your position at, in, in the conference. So you have 12 different guys at 12 different positions that tells you about the breadth of the talent on this team and how good this team I think is going to be overall, assuming they can find themselves in the right situations. And if
1: you wanted to argue that, hey, look, this is nice, but I want to see it on the field. I want to see them play. I don't really care about preseason awards. Totally fine. I totally respect that opinion. But I will also say this, talent wins. You need scheduling luck. You need other teams to maybe, you know, have letdowns over the course of the year. You need good coaching, which thankfully KU already has. You need to stay healthy. You need all of these things to have a successful season in college football, really sports in general, but talent also wins. We actually spent a lot of time last year and on Five Eighty Sports talking. Talk a lot of KU, but we also talk about that that rival school from Manhattan as well. And we made a lot of comments about how on the preseason All Big Twelve team from the media poll, there were six K State players. There were more than any other team, and we said, "Hey, look, that that is the deepest." You know the deepest group of high-end talent in the Big 12 going into this year. That should bode well because they're at positions of great importance. They're at high-profile positions. They're going to be pretty good this year. That talent is going to help carry them. And lo and behold, that was a 10-win team. And make as many jokes as you want about how their season ended, getting steamrolled by the Crimson Tide in the Sugar Bowl. But that team had a really damn good year, including whenever Kansas. I'm not trying to. not trying to hype up K-State or anything here. My point is just that I have always been a believer that talent is going to help you win games more than any other individual part of a football team or of a football season. So for anyone, including someone like Phil Steele, who's as tapped in as anybody in college football to come out and tell me, yes, of the four best players at every position in the big 12, Kansas has a place on at 12 of those positions. I'm going to say, hell yes. You could, you could probably argue for more. What? We argue for Daniel Hyshaw to at least get some look for that fourth team at running back. You could argue for some of the receivers to get a little bit more attention than they did. Like, there is a reason to argue that you could have put even more KU guys on this list. Having that level of talent has not been common for this program since the the dark days began, since the dawn of the Turngill era. But to have it now and to know that with this kind of talent, you can find success, you can find a winning season— the season in which you get to a bowl game anyway, I guess technically it wasn't a winning season, but you understand where I'm coming from it counts for to me. know that you, yeah, that's fine <laughs> enough Um, to know that you have that talent to know that you've proven you can win with this type of talent, I think is extremely
0: important. And I do think you can use it as a predictive measure for this coming season. Well, yeah, I mean, you also look at like what Kansas did last year, you know, for Jalen Daniels to get those kind of accolades when he only played like half the games, like that's, that's crazy. That's awesome to have, you know, all of the different guys that they do have. And like you said, I think the wide receivers for Kansas are underrated, not because, like, honestly, because you look at at, at uh, production so much, right? And Kansas had so many options, and Jalen Daniels was so good at spreading the ball around. But a lot of wide receivers just didn't have the eye-popping numbers that you expect guys to get to be able to be on those particular teams. So, um, you know, the other the other thing that really kind of comes to mind here is that typically, you know, there, were, there was a good reason to be questioning Kansas State last year, right, even with all of the guys that they had at other places, because you wondered about the quarterback. The fact mm-hmm. that Kansas has all of these guys and their quarterback is, like, you know, the best or the second best in the conference going into the year, depending on who you talk to, um, like, that is why I think there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of really uh, tons of excitement around this team because they have that that ability, I think, to take a guy at the most important position, which is quarterback, and, you know, take that talent and use it elsewhere. So I am very, very excited for this team. I'm glad that they're getting all this recognition. And I don't think, like, I think we're going to get to the to the end of the year. And there will be several Kansas players on all Big 12 teams, which doesn't usually happen very often. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen from this year. Uh, I am really, really looking forward to just seeing how well that preseason recognition translates on the field. Um, you know, I mean, and and there's a good chance it could translate really well. I did my way too early predictions over on blue wings rising and somehow I got myself to nine and three with the possibility of 10 and two, depending on, you know, how things go against, like I had a coin flip game against Texas tech at home that I threw over to Texas tech. Cause it felt to me like I was being way too optimistic for the Jayhawks, but um, you know, Kansas is very fortunate. I think this year with the home and away of games that they could theoretically win. So You know, like, the only game that is definitely a loss when you go there is probably Texas just because of how much talent Texas has this year. Um, You know, and they actually look like they're pretty decent. And then Oklahoma. Like, if Oklahoma is as good as they, you know, are supposed to be, you know, as Brett Vettable said, if their defense is a little bit better, which you could say that about every team, but, um, you know, I think Oklahoma could be really good this year. Kansas gets them at home, though. Like, we saw what happened last time they played them at home. Like, you know, so, like, this is a team, I think, that has a lot of potential. But you get BYU at home. You get UCF at home. You get, you know, you get Cincinnati, who's probably going to be the, the the newcomer that struggles the most. Um, You know, them or Houston. You get them on the road in the finale when they very well could just be kind of playing out the string at that point. Um, You know, I think the, the schedule lines up very favorably for Kansas, and it'll be very interesting to see, how much they're able to capitalize on that, and then what that turns into. I mean, if Kansas is a 10-win team, you know, or or even a 9-win team, I think there's a really good chance Jalen Daniels gets an invite to to New York for, for the Heisman ceremony because it's going to take him playing that well, I think, to win all those games, but it's not outside their realm of possibility for him to play that well, especially with how well everybody's recognizing the way he plays. It's an exciting spot
1: to be in, man, and I, I don't know, I haven't, given enough time to go through the entire schedule and look at my my win loss prediction but
0: I had to do it for the countdown so that kind of gave me a little bit of a leg up so
1: (laughs) for sure uh no but I know you know the last time we spoke a couple of weeks ago I was saying that look there's there's reason to be optimistic that this team can and I would argue at this point this team should be noticeably better than last year I don't know if it's a nine win season but can this team get to seven to five in the regular season? Can this be an eight win team in the regular season? And I think the expectations should be at that point because the expectations should be going from year two to year three with almost the entirely same roster returning from a bowl, you know, a team that competed in a bowl game. You should be better. So I think the expectations need to be higher. But there's also no reason why KU can't meet those expectations, I think, given the continuity, given the just baseline level of talent, given the fact that all that talent is back, and the fact that I think KU should have one of the best offenses in the Big 12 this year. I really do. I think KU should – and this isn't just hope, I, I genuinely believe this team should have one of the highest scoring offenses in the Power Five this season because of the talent they bring back, because of the scheme that Leipold and Kotelnicki have put together, because of the depth at a lot of these positions, this should be one of the highest scoring teams in the Power Five, and that should make you believe that, yes, this team is going to be even better than they were a year ago. And I think, again, that shows itself in finally getting a little more recognition Maybe I shouldn't even say finally, because frankly, going into last year, KU didn't really deserve the benefit of the doubt because we had sucked for so long, but now you get to a point where, Hey, it's very much obvious in a lot of different ways. This team has turned or is in the process of turning a corner. So let's be a little more optimistic about what this season can look like. And I think these preseason, all big 12 lists from Athlon, from Phil Steele, eventually when the media poll comes out, I think are kind of a manifestation of people saying, all right, we, we see you, Kansas.
0: Now let's let's see it again this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. I am I am fully prepared for a very good season for the Jayhawks, and whether it's as good as I'm hoping it is, we'll see. But either way, I think we're going to look back on this season, and it's going to be a, another building block, an opportunity for Kansas to kind of show what they can do. Um, but, yeah, okay. So, I mean, and, and that kind of leads directly into uh, the, the final topic that we have, which is going to be recruiting. But before we talk about that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only, Tortillas and Takes podcast.
1: From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech.
0: Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat.
1: Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes.
0: And as always, stay wrecked, people. And we're back. I'm here with Brendan Dwarzinski of 580 Sports Talk, and of course, one of our analysts over on Blue Wings Rising. Um, we're talking about Kansas football, and look, they've got a lot of hype going into this year. But I think we're just as hyped about the recruiting because you look at like the the future of this program. Kansas brought in a lot of great recruits. Was able to get you know twelve great transfers. I think it was twelve transfers and like thirteen uh, college sign or high school signees, but. They had a really good recruiting class this year that didn't necessarily rate as high because the transfer class wasn't, you know, rated nearly as high as a lot of people expected it to be, um, or as it was last year. But I I think I'm more, more interested and more excited about the, you know, the early returns for the 2024 recruiting class. You look in Kansas, they had their first, uh, you know, official visit weekend last weekend. They had, I think four different guys that committed out of there that are all really good players, including a four-star, um, you know in uh to to come uh, a four star cornerback to come like kansas has picked up quite a few people and it's not like this is you know kansas is the best offer that they got like we're seeing you know the number 1 cornerback in michigan who had an offer to michigan picking kansas over the over the wolverines like we're seeing players with lots of power 5 offers and potentially you know in some potentially good spots for them where they could get a lot of good um a, a lot of good playing time picking the Jayhawks because of what Kansas is able to do. And every single one of them, you know, has talked about kind of the the environment that they're building here, the the relationships with the coaching staff, and then the potential to win and to be able to take this program to the next level. And, and like that's the kind of excitement that's building around this program. It's not, you know, it's not the same pitch that a lot of players during like the David Beatty era were getting where it was, hey, you can be the one to help Kansas become good again or become decent again. Now it's hey, Kansas has already kind of turned that corner. How far can we take it, and how much are you going to be able to help us do it? And I think that's a huge shift in the way that the program is recruiting, and it's already coming through. Last I looked, they were number two in the Big 12 for 2024 recruiting classes, according to uh, rivals and 24-7 sports. And so, you know, like the there's, there's Texas Tech, who has like three more recruits than them that's higher than them, and then Oklahoma, who I think, you know, for, for ones where they're not in second – Oklahoma has, like, six players with, like, two five-stars or something like that. So, like, the way that recruiting classes work, yes, the more players you have, the better chance you have of, you know, being higher in the rankings because it's additive, but I still think that it's worth looking at that and saying, hey, you know, especially when you compare this to last season, right? Like, last last year, Kansas recruiting class for 2023 was pretty barren. Like, there wasn't very much to it at this point in the year last year, and, like, it wasn't until – mid to late July that you started to see people commit and start to see people like really kind of take their offers seriously. They took a bunch of offers during the season. Um, Most of the guys that came in high school wise that committed were guys that had to take two or three visits during their, you know, final year to really kind of solidify. We are seeing people commit a lot earlier now for this program. And I think that tells you just how far this team has come. There is a little part of me that has just a, a little nagging
1: part of my head that says, well, I got to get to campus. And this we're talking about the 2024 recruiting class year, and that is, a, that is a long way away. I wish it wasn't. I wish it was for 2023. I wish all these kids, as soon as they committed, they were hopping on a one-way trip, one-way plane, train, automobile, whatever, to get to Lawrence, and boom, they're locked in already. But the – that's kind of the beast side of recruiting is that you have to keep recruiting all year long. It is a nonstop process. So while there is a little part of me that is a little nervous and probably a little scarred by, you know, the days of the, the Louisiana animal classes and Jamar chase and Clayton Toon and these guys announcing they were committed to KU that thinks well, you got to finish the job, got to actually get them to campus. But by the same token, the larger part of my brain is saying, this is different. This is different than you know, KU's got one guy who was a high school coach in the area for a long time, and it's kind of a favor to him. And yeah, there's some momentum, but these guys are way too high profile to go to a team that is is this crappy, talking about the KU teams of 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah. You look at this group and you look at who for 2024 KU has taken, who they have, you know, where they have plucked them from, the kind of teams they were able to swipe them from. And I'm specifically looking at the top two players in the 2024 class right now they're both corners austin alexander from chicago heights illinois jalen todd from southfield michigan jalen todd was one of the best cornerback prospects in 10 country appeared if i want to make sure i'm right about this but appeared that he was a heavy iowa lean and if you know anything about college football you know if you're a defensive back and you play for iowa you've got a really darn good chance of going to the nfl or being just the next great iowa corner because they've had so freaking many of them and phil parker's one of the best defensive coaches in the entire country you wouldn't blame anyone for wanting to go play in the defensive backfield at iowa Ku grabbed that guy and i went in a little toxic trade of mine as i went to the iowa 24-7 vip board and i just wanted to see what people were saying and there was a lot of, well, clearly he wasn't up to our standards or wow. Okay. You must be throwing a ton of money around like, or it's program on the rise and people like what Lance Leipold and, Jordan Peterson and Chris Simpson and and all these guys are selling. You look at Austin Alexander, kid from Chicago who had offers from multiple Big Ten schools that he ended up not taking, that he ended up canceling because he liked his options at KU so much, because he fell in love with the program so much. Illinois, he was originally committed to Wisconsin, had interest from Purdue, I believe it was. And I saw some Illinois fans, and I I know a bunch, given where I come from, and it was – you're like oh well he decommitted from wisconsin so i'm sure he won't even make it to lawrence he decommitted after a coaching change in january right He's right Like <laughs> even, come on give me a break and i know i know that's just message board stuff i understand that that is where even homers don't look like homers because of how intense they are i get that but that to me speaks to the fact that kansas is making people take notice and that players are taking notice and if you read you know the guys who are on the beat michael swain at fog.net you, you read the The reports from these guys these players are taking notice look up and down this list of commitments so far and where these guys are coming from KU has done a great job in Arizona KU is doing an incredible job right now in the state of Michigan Isaiah Marshall the the next hopefully great Kansas quarterback committed from that class he is as gung-ho as anyone I can remember about being committed to the University of Kansas football program. It's exciting. Momentum is definitely a real thing in college football recruiting, college sports recruiting in general. And I think you've got to give credit to Lance Leipold, but also to the staff. And that includes the coordinators, but that includes some of the names I mentioned. Coach O. Uh, not that, Coach o. You also throw in Chris Simpson, Jordan Peterson, who's been around since the last Miles days. Like This staff has done an incredible job. Jim Panagos has been a godsend for the defensive line recruiting for this program. They've been killing it on the recruiting trail now for a couple years, and this 2024 class – they got to play. They got to get to campus. They actually have to win games. I understand all of that. But on paper, based on you know what we get from the recruiting sites, this is shaping up to be one of the best Kansas recruiting classes ever. And every single part of the staff, from the very top of the university who has given some more autonomy and just the you know the belief in this football program to Travis Goff to Lance Livepole, to the coordinators to the assistants to you know to the support staff, everybody has been a part of this, and it's really encouraging that KU is kind of a model of success at this point, And as a model of rising out of the ashes, because you and I know as well as anybody a few years ago, you would have laughed at that statement. That would have sounded like biting satire.
0: Yeah. You know, the big difference I think between now and then is one, you know, you had all those guys that committed, right. And, and there was, there was a couple different ways it happened either. Like you said, it was a, you know, a specific uh, uh, connection to a coach that wasn't going to actually be their coach when they got here. Right. Like, It was a position coach that was not their position that got them to commit. Um, But, you know, the other thing is that all of those high profile recruits that didn't end up coming, why did they decommit? They usually decommitted after Kansas started one and five, or, you know, Kansas started as with a really bad record looked really horrible. And and like, it's like, yeah, of of course guys aren't going to be quite as excited when your team is not winning big games. They're not being competitive in games. And it's like, it's understandable at that point, they might start wondering and second guessing. It's like, You can sell somebody on the vision of being like the hero that turns it around, but when you see that you know some guys who got the same message aren't able to do it, like what makes you think that you're going to be the able to be the guy that does it differently? And I'm sure there are plenty of guys that have those sorts of um, thoughts about themselves, but it's also the why make it as hard as you know as it is at Kansas when you don't have to? You can go somewhere else. Um, Now there's not that concern. Kansas has shown the ability to be able to play really well, to be able to win games. And to be able to take, I think, even more important, you look at the development that's happened. Like, I think that was the biggest draw, uh, I'm sorry, the biggest negative to Kansas teams in the past was, you know, you could talk up big game about the coaches, but you looked at players, they were either really good coming into into Lawrence and left with decent prospects of potentially getting onto an NFL roster, or they were okay and they didn't develop at all. The fact that you're seeing so much development from so many players under the Lance Leipold you know, program is, I think, a huge testament to what this team is able to do, to how this team is able to be able to, uh, you know, draw these guys in. And you're seeing a bunch of, like, teammates that are coming or guys that have connections to other guys on the roster. Um, You didn't have that nearly as much. There hasn't been as many, quote-unquote, coups of grabbing a guy out of literally nowhere, you know, not understanding where you got him from. You're building on connections that they already had to the team. You're building on the promises that their position coach is able to do. And I think that's the biggest thing that Kansas has done differently. You know, you used to hear all the time about, you know, you had a recruiter who stuck with a guy and that was the guy that was the main contact. Now, when you make contact with a guy, if it looks like they're going to try to offer him, the position coach gets involved immediately. Like the fact that they're building the connections to make it look or to make, make them understand what their place is going to be on the team, how they can be successful, I think is an absolutely huge thing.
1: Yeah, I think that, For me, the fact that you are developing those relationships, as you mentioned, and you are getting guys who are joining together to, I think, continue that recruiting momentum. If you saw it after this past weekend of visits, one of the top uncommitted guys who was there – Uh, on that official visit weekend for KU, Michael Boganowski, who I've gotten to see in person. He's a linebacker at Junction City High School here in Kansas, you know, 20 minutes west of Manhattan or whatever it is. I've seen him play a number of times in recent years. The kid is a stud. I don't know if he's going to end up at Oklahoma or Kansas State. I know they're all over him. I know he has a visit at Florida State scheduled as well. That kid is a stud. And wherever he ends up, he's going to be a hell of a college football player. I'm, I'm certain of it. You see Harrison Utley, who's the best offensive lineman in the class. You've seen Isaiah Marshall, the quarterback who we were talking about earlier. You've seen other guys who are committed to this class pushing and tweeting out the graphics they've gotten from KU Creative and saying, hey, you can be a part of this next. You're the next one. Come join us. Come join something special. Stuff like that is meaningful. Stuff like that has an impact. It just feels different. I said that on 580 Sports Talk the other day. I've said it when talking about KU football recruiting as of late and other places too. It just feels different. It feels like the staff truly really knows what they're doing. This is a great recruiting staff. And it feels like they're getting guys who are truly committed to this program as well. It's not just, like you kind of alluded to earlier, they're not committed to it because it was either KU or SEMO. They're committed to it because they love this program, because they had great official visits, because they believe in the coaching staff and their future or current teammates. And they're trying to make it a bigger deal than it already is. I think that's meaningful. And that to me is why this just feels like a different, I don't even want to say era, but almost more of a different aura around the program right now, that there's just more, more commitment to the actual football program and more commitment from the future guys to, to being a part of what the program is building. And you need that commitment to find the maximum amount of success. And I think KU's got that right now. And that's extremely encouraging, man. This again, you got to get here. You actually have to play. You actually have to play well. But on paper, this looks like it's going to be one of the best recruiting classes KU has ever had. And that should make you excited. That should give you, if anything gives you a reason to be excited about the future, it should absolutely be
0: that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the quarterback that committed this last time. Um, you know, he is the guy that I've seen tons of comparisons where the staff thing, seems to think he's a similar kind of quarterback to Jalen Daniels, um, which has to give you a lot of, you know, excitement about the fact that, even if he doesn't play as well as Jalen Daniels is he, if he plays similarly, it's going to be a, a very familiar program to him, a very familiar scheme and could allow him to have more success. Like, I don't want to it's like say he's going to be the next Jalen Daniels or anything like that, but he plays that same way. You can, you can do a lot of the same sort of things with him. It's his a question is how well you do them. But you know, this week, this weekend, um, I think a bunch of visits started yesterday from when we're recording this. And, and this will be going out today on Friday. Um, there's two four-star players, according to 24-7 Sports, um, you know, in Nick Marsh, a wide receiver from, from River Rouge, Michigan, and then Damani Maxson, a safety out of Houston, Texas. So two more four-stars that are coming that seem very interested in the program. The Kansas is going to try to make a really good impression on um, you know, Nick Marsh. He is ranked right now. He's in like 102. He's right around that top 100 player. So if you can get him to commit, even if it's not like right this minute, like right after the, the visit – You have to feel really good about the fact that he seems very interested in the program. He is highly considering the Jayhawks. And, you know, they have him coming in with a whole bunch of other guys that are really excited about the program. I think that's kind of the biggest thing is you already have one commit who is coming, who is going to be with this group of, you know, players of uh, potential recruits that are, you know, will be talking about why he made his decision and, you know, how excited he is. And that will be infectious. I think it helped a whole lot last weekend when they got a ton of recruits to, uh, to go ahead and sign including Austin Alexander just because they had so many people that had already committed to the Jayhawks on that visit so I'm excited to see what's coming out of the rest of the visits the rest of this month um, you know there's a lot of really great players that are going to be on campus here in the next few weeks and hopefully Kansas will be even further along after you know the end of June uh, where they can have a really big recruiting class setting up for 2024 so all right and any final thoughts before we get out here Brendan? It's exciting, man. Like, this is a, a blast
1: to get to talk about future recruits and follow this and follow the boards and follow the rumors and well, where are these guys taking visits and, you well, know, does KU get the last visitor, are they getting the first one, who is reaching out to them, who is the specific recruiter. That's fun. That's exciting. And that's not something that we have yeah,
0: really I'm, needed to spend a lot of time on. Lately. I'm so used to recruiting articles kind of being the, man, I've got to talk about recruiting sometime. Like, what can I say? Mm-hmm. Now it's the... I'm going to need to talk about recruiting multiple times during this countdown because right. it's been that great. Like it's impossible to ignore it. Even if, you know, I'm not a recruiting guy per se. I don't try to put myself off as a recruiting guy, but when this kind of recruiting happens, there's going to be takeaways for everybody. Even those that don't know normally pay attention to recruiting. Like there are very big things happening, I think in Lawrence and it's going to be exciting to see. All right, Brendan, yep. thank you so much for joining me. Um, for those that want to catch what you're doing, what's, what, what's the best way to do that?
1: You can find me on Twitter, if you dare, at BrendanDZW, where you can find me there. I'm also on air 3 to 6 every weekday, uh, except this coming Monday. Happy Juneteenth to everyone out there. Yeah. Uh, but every weekday from 3 until 6, 580 Sports Talk on 580 WNBW
0: AM in Topeka. And also online at 580 WNBW.com. And they live stream on YouTube. I found that the other day. I've been watching now for the last few Weeks here, so it's awesome. Make sure you go and find them. Um, lots of great talk, like you said. Your your co-host Jane Lucero. You guys have some great discussions. I really enjoy listening. Um, even the times where you have to talk about Kansas State, like you know, you got to know about the other teams as well in the Big Twelve Conference. In fact, we are going to be starting our preview series, going through all of the different teams that are up on Kansas football schedule here in the next few weeks. I'm still looking for an Illinois guest. That one will kind of be a little bit out of sequence if I can find someone. Um, but other than that, like we're going to get, we're going to get going. We've got a lot of really exciting coverage coming on the countdown. So make sure if you're not already go over to BlueWingsRising.com and find all of the coverage that we have as we count down to the beginning of Kansas football. I recently had to add a day because Kansas moved their, uh, their opener back to a Friday instead of a Thursday. Um, and actually I wrote an article about, about Friday night football games for college I don't really particularly like it, but I understand why it's necessary in some cases, but... That's going to do it for us today. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring you guys all the information we can in, in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want us to try to interview, anything like that contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. pod. Follow my personal Twitter at mitch 12. I talk about a lot of Big 12 stuff, not just Kansas. Um, but then also uh the the website at Blue Wings Rise to catch all of the stuff. Uh, that we have going on over there we are part of the 1012 podcast network covering all the teams in the big 12 conference including all the teams that are well i guess now they're not official here for the n- another two weeks but all the teams that are in the big 12 conference all 14 of them so go over to 1012network.com and you can find links to all the great shows make sure you visit our sponsor home field apparel but uh that's going to do it for us today brendan thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast